Let's turn to James chapter 5 this morning. We're going to finish up with James today, and um, I've really enjoyed this, these, this letter of James. I hope you have too. It's really spoken to me during this time of my life, and I believe it's spoken to Christians for the last 2,000-some years. So uh, it's very important. It's um, really his last words uh, that he writes here in chapter 5, and these are some of the most important things to be said to Christians and to the church. That song that we just sang, The King is Coming, that is a true, that's a truth that should be proclaimed today in every Christian church that Jesus is coming back because that is a part of what we believe as part of our hope. So let's read James chapter 5, then we'll go back and talk about a few things, all right? James chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, James says, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the, wa the wages you fail to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. And then he says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the field of the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, as you know, we consider blessed those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, or you will be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the, rain, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let's pray again, all right? Those, uh, those of you at home, just join in with us, please. Just let's bow and ask God to bless this time. Father, as we look at your word, we, first of all, we want to thank you for James, for his testimony, his witness, his faithfulness, his teachings, Father, still teach us today. Still very relevant teachings from your word, still very much applicable to our lives. Help us, Father, to uh, simply cling on to your truths. Help us to always try to follow you and as you lead. Help us to be the people you want us to be. Help us become the church you want us to become. And, and Father, this morning, would you please just speak through me and use me for your glory? Would you speak through your word and through your spirit? Would you just guide and direct all of our thoughts to your throne? Would we all set aside everything that we might be thinking about? We're brought in with us, Lord, this morning. Help us to set those things aside for a little bit to hear from you. And, Father, we desperately need to hear from you. And our world is in far terrible shape as ever been in our lives. We 
pray, Father, for your spirit to come and bring healing to our country, and to our nation, to our people, to our world. We ask, Father, that, Lord, you would uh, send your spirit to bring an awakening to our people, awakening to your church, and awakening to our neighbors who don't know you. Father, bless us this morning. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I just want to say thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for checking in on Wednesday nights and for Sunday mornings, too, when you can't make it. Just thank you for doing this. This is helping the church keep going, and I really appreciate that, and I appreciate everything that you do as a church that uh, helps the church keep going. Like Your giving has been very faithful. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your prayers and, and just your encouragement and all these different things. You know, we're living out this thing called the Christian faith. We're following Jesus together, and that's what we're that's where we find our success. That's where we find our peace and our fulfillment. We've, all, we've come today to the last chapter in the letter of James. And although he wrote this letter with Jewish Christians in mind in the first century, it still speaks to Christians today. It's been speaking to Christians for 2,000 years. It speaks to me today in my own walk with the Lord. And so it's very relevant, I think, as we finish up this letter to really go back and look at a couple things through this final chapter. He completes his letter by urging Christians everywhere to always stay faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ no matter what. Now, if you watch the news at all, if you watch what's going on in our country and our world today, you, you might be troubled, right? I know many people are troubled out there. Unbelievers are very troubled. And it's okay for Christians to be troubled as well, to be bothered, to be, to be anxious about things as they're going on. We're, we're in a mix of a flux right now in our culture, in our country. But we've got to stay faithful to Jesus. He's our Lord, our Savior. He'll always be there no matter what. No matter what happens in our country, in our world, Jesus will always be there for us and with us. The church has been strengthened by this very letter, the letter by James, because the church has always faced many challenges throughout its history, challenges to its moral authority. We're seeing that today. People challenge the authority of Jesus Christ, they challenge the authority of the church, Christian beliefs, they challenge the Bible, and what the Bible says, is it true? So the challenge is always to the moral authority. That's just Satan working in our world to challenge the church, to push back against the church. There's always a challenge to the gospel message. I watched a, a video on, uh, on, on, uh, on Facebook or, or Twitter where it talks about this man talks about um, Dubai. Uh, did you know in Dubai, that's, it's an it's a Islamic country, but they're really touting all their, their tolerance of all these other religions. And they included Christianity. They said there were 45 churches in that, in that country of the United Arab Emirates. It's, Dubai is the main city. And um, there's 45 churches there. That's an amazing thing. Uh, but there's always that pushback against what we can do as Christians. You know, Christians aren't just called together in one place on Sunday. We're called to, to serve Jesus by sharing Jesus. That's what the church is meant to do. So there's always going to be some pushback to the gospel message from other religions, from atheists. But we've got to stay faithful because we've been charged by Jesus to share the gospel, his message. And Cornerstone. Cornerstone has faced many challenges throughout its history. I've been here now 12 years. I've just begun my 13th year with, the, with Cornerstone. And I know that Cornerstone has faced many challenges in the past, and we're going to continue to face challenges. That's just the way it is. That's the way this world works. We're, we're not called to easy things. We're called to the harder things, the things of God. And I'm sure that we're going to continue to see and face challenges in the future, and that's to be expected. 
Jesus said the world didn't like him, and the world's not going to like his church. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said this. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's a promise. You will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said. He has overcome the world. Yeah. So we can overcome the world through Jesus Christ by being faithful and obedient to Jesus. In 1 John 4, verse 4, John wrote this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Never forget that. Never forget that the Holy Spirit is greater than anyone in the world, including the evil one. That Jesus is greater than anyone in this world, whether it's a president or a king or a dictator, doesn't matter. Hope you have your outlines ready. Those of you at home, hope you have a piece of paper ready. Because Jesus is our Savior and Lord, we believe what He said is true and right and trustworthy. Number one on your outline this morning. Number one, James said, Jesus is coming. There's a reason why he said this. One of the key core doctrines of the Christian faith is the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is what makes us Christians. We believe Jesus Christ is actually going to come back physically into this world at the end of time on that day when the trumpet blows. And we will sing, the King is coming. He's not coming back as a baby. He's not even coming back as a Savior. He's coming back as a judge to bring an end to this fallen and flawed world that we're living in. And if you don't believe the world is fallen and flawed and sinful, all you need to do is turn your TV on. And James is very, very clear about this truth, this reality. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. You know, hard times does cause Christians, even Christians, to grumble. We can begin to grumble about things. James says don't do that. He reminds us of this because his own brother Jesus Christ also said he would come back someday. So we should not grumble as we wait. That someday Jesus will come back. He said this himself. He'll come back to rescue his body in the church. In Matthew 16, verse 27, Jesus himself said this. He said, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. Then he'll reward each person according to what he's done, both good and bad. That we're all going to stand before God when Jesus comes back. And we'll be judged by Jesus for what we've done. Have we lived up to our calling as Christians? Have we been faithful and obedient to do what he called us to do. In Mark 13, verse 32, Jesus warned his followers this. He said, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. See, we have, we have to be careful. We always have to be ready for Jesus to come back. We always have to be anticipating his coming in that moment. 2,000 years the church has waited. I don't know how long it's going to be. But the Bible says that people will grow colder as the end times come closer. That the world will be much more like it was in the days of Noah. Wicked, evil. And we're seeing these things happening. The world is more at unrest than it's ever been in my lifetime. And I was born in 1962 and in the midst of the early part of the, of the Vietnam War. And there's a lot of real protesting going on then. A lot of rioting. But it's nothing like today. And so we're seeing signs begin to show themselves. Being a Christian means believing in Jesus' second coming. 
It was foretold throughout the Scriptures, all the way through the Bible. Even all the way at the end, in Revelation 19.11, John says, from his vision, he saw this vision of Jesus coming back. And it's a great vision. He says, I saw heaven standing open. Wouldn't you love to see heaven standing open? Someday, brothers and sisters, you will. You'll walk through those gates. If there are any gates for us. He said, I saw heaven standing open. There before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He had a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. That's a vision of Jesus coming back into this world, pictured not as a Savior, but as a conqueror, an overcomer. So whatever you think about this world, whether it's good or bad or whatever, someday it's going to go through a dramatic Dramatic change. When Jesus comes back, he will transform this entire world and everything in it. Everything will be made new, including the church. And I'm looking forward to that day, and I hope you are too. Then point number two, James said this. He said, go to the Old Testament for encouragement. Go to the Old Testament for encouragement. Look at verse 10 with me. Verse 10, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. But you've never read the Old Testament. If you've never read the story of the Old Testament, if you've never gone through the entire Old Testament, you need to do that. I want to encourage you to take the time this year because it will take you a while to read through the Old Testament. You'll find the greatness of God throughout the Old Testament. I'm talking about the greatness of God. God will show himself to you there, some of the mighty works that he's done. And you will even find Jesus there in the pages of the Old Testament. You will also find many of the Old Testament saints who were faithful and true to God in those pages. And they will encourage you when you are struggling with something in your own life, something that attacks your faith and your relationship with God. I've been reading, I, I like to read history, and I like to read things about World War II, and I like to read about religious things that were going on in culture during World War II, and I'm reading a book about a pope that served in the, in the Vatican during World War II, and part of, part of this book, and part of this book, it talks about how the Nazis how Hitler and the Nazis actually banned the Old Testament in Germany. Throughout all the, all the countries that they, that they conquered, they would ban the Old Testament. They didn't ban the New Testament, but they banned the Old Testament because of its Jewish origins. Can you believe that? It's amazing, isn't it? They would, they would chop off three-fourths of the Bible and abandon it because it was Jewish. It had Jewish origins. It's amazing to me. I never really thought about that until I read that in that book. It shouldn't surprise us, though. The Nazis' actual religion is paganism, ancient paganism. And some of the things they did were very, very wicked. Now, of course, the Old Testament has Jewish origins, right? Of course it does. The Jews were Israelites and Hebrews. Jesus was a Jew and an Israelite and a Hebrew. 
They all came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and from the sons of Jacob. And many of them were faithful to God. In spite of all the troubles the world put them through, they stayed faithful to God. And they belong. They're called Old Testament saints. And you can read about them in the, even in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36 to 39. Listen to this. Talking about the Old Testament saints. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and, 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 and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Talk about men and women from the Old Testament era. They wandered in deserts and mounds and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they'd been promised. None of them received the, the actual Holy Land, the, the actually promised land on earth. They had to wait for that. She says, you and I are waiting today. And if you need someone, if you need a particular person, someone who would really strengthen your faith, renew your courage, James said there's no one better than Job, and I totally agree with James on this. There's nobody better to, than Job. Job is a, is a perfect reflection of you and I with all the strengths and all the weaknesses, with all the hope and all the despair, with the tragedies of life and the good times as well. He's a great reflection of us. Look again at verse 11 at the end of verse 11. James there says in verse 11, you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And if you read the book of Job, you'll learn that. You'll learn how compassionate and merciful God really is. God proved His compassion. He proved His mercifulness through the lives of the Old Testament saints like Job. Read that book. It's not hard to find. You can, you can read it. It'll take you a little while, so don't, don't rush. It's right for the book of Psalms. And it's worth reading. It's worth reading. Job went through a lot. Maybe you've gone through a lot in your lifetime. But God rewarded his faithfulness no matter what. He stuck close to God in spite of everything he lost, and he lost practically everything. He stayed close to God, and God gave him back double all his worldly possessions. God even affirmed Job's faith was greater than, the friend, than his friend's faith. Those friends who tried to lecture him on, about how to have a relationship with God. In Job chapter 42, verse 12, it says this, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. That verse says a lot. Because you read the first part of Job, the very first chapter, and it tells you about his family and his wealth, and, but it also tells you about his faithfulness. And you'll see how God really blessed him doubly at the end. James says, look to Job. Look to the Old Testament. Look to the saints to encourage you. Look to... Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Then in point number three, he encourages people to speak plainly. He says, just speak plainly. Look at verse 12 with me. He says there, above all my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you'll be condemned. He's talking about just speaking plainly. Not double speak, not trying to be tricky, not trying to trap somebody, not over speaking either, not over you know, overstating what you can do. Sometimes people will promise things and they can't deliver it. And they don't, they don't mean that. Some, of them, some people don't mean, some people do, some people don't. So be careful about what you do when you make promises and pledges. 
The taking of oaths in the ancient world was a very serious thing. It was very, very serious. Because it was a, it was a contract. It was an oral contract. But it was just as much of a contract as a written contract. Matter of fact, that's how they often did things in the, in the ancient world. They did things by shaking hands. They did things by making a pledge. So it wasn't to be done lightly or casually. And this is true. This used to be true in our culture too, right? Remember? You remember that phrase, a man's word is what? His, his bond. Exactly. What's a bond? It means it's, his, it's, his, it's, it's surety. It's certain. It's true. He'll live up to it. That person will live up to it. It used to be that way. It's not so much anymore, but it used to be that way. Well, James said to Christians, don't swear oaths. Don't ever swear an oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you'll be condemned. You can't get any more plain speaking than that. So just don't go so far as to make all these grandiose claims of what you can do or whatever like that or anything over promise. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. James said never swear by God or by heaven where God lives because what if you break your oath? Think about that. If you make a pledge, you say, according to God above, I, I pledge this. What if you break your oath? It might not even be your fault. Something out of your control can happen at any time, and you won't be able to fulfill your oath to God, by God. But you swore by God to do it, and now you can't. Look at that, how that, how that affects your relationship with God, how that reflects on God himself, his trustworthiness also reflects on our, on our relationship with God, our faith in God. James said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that'll be good enough. Can't get any more plain speaking than that. So whenever you talk to people about something, whenever you're making some sort of a, a commitment to somebody, be open and honest. Don't say something you might not be able to live up to. Do your best by that oath to Do your best by whatever you say and agree to do, but... Be careful what you promise. In Colossians 4, verse 6, the Bible says this, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we, you may know how to answer everyone. Why do we need the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us when we make agreements, when we talk to people about what we can do or they can do? Because we want Him to guide us. We want to be careful what we say and how we answer to other people, whether we're in a good mood or a bad mood, too. Sometimes we need God when we're really struggling with something. I know I do. Then as he came, came to the end of his letter, James says this. He spoke about Christians helping each other through life. And this is so important, isn't it? We've got to help each other. We, we need all of us together to do this. We're going to talk about that later today in the business meeting. We are all in this together. We're all committed to, the, to Christ through this, church, through this church called Cornerstone. We are Cornerstone. We're going to learn that very soon. He said, overcome truth by praising God and helping each other. Praising God and helping each other. That's the church. That's what we're supposed to do. He emphasized, James emphasizes our need to turn to God in the good times and the bad. Let's look at verse 13. Is anyone of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Wow. Don't you love that verse? This is a very, very short description of the Christian's life of God. God is with us in the troubles of life, so we should pray to Him, right? When things aren't going the way we want them to or need them to or, or we're struggling, we should pray to God and God will be with us. But God is also with us in the good times, and we should praise Him in the good times, right? Amen. 
So we got to have that balance. You just can't forget God when things are good and, and remember God when things are bad. We got to be remembering God all the time. And by the way, if you don't have a daily quiet time, friends, I, I want to encourage you to start one today. Begin that quiet time early in the morning. Speak to God. Seek Him in those times when you're struggling, but also praise Him whenever you can. And you always have something to praise Him for. And I realize when trouble comes around, we tend to withdraw. We tend to try to do things on our own. We tend to seek answers for what we're going through on our own. But friends, the quicker we turn to God, the quicker He'll relieve us from whatever pain and struggle we're going through. He's always there for His people. Take Jesus at His own words. In John 16, Jesus said this. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Look at verse 14. James tells us that Christians ought to help each other through the difficult times of life, whether that's an illness or some sort of tragedy or just something that's going wrong. We need each other. We need to ask each other to pray for us, and we need to pray for others when they ask us to pray for them. Verse 14, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, although James mentions elders here or pastors, this ministry of intercession could be done by anybody. Now, it has to be done just by the pastor or pastors. Just because you're not a pastor doesn't mean you can't pray for somebody or with somebody. You should. I believe all of your prayers are just as important and just as effective as mine. I do. It's not that I don't want to pray for you or anyone else or pray with somebody, but you ought to have that too. You'll find a great strength for your faith by praying with others too, by coming alongside them and encouraging them in prayer. Well, then in verse 15, James gave us a great promise if we will seek God's help. Look at verse 15. He says there in verse 15, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. See, we don't pray for God to God just when we're sick or things are bad, but when we have sinned, we should stop and pray and seek forgiveness. If you ever need an assurance that your prayers will be answered, James just gave you one right here in verse 15. That's a promise. The prayer offered in faith will be make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Who, who doesn't want that? Amen? Right? Yeah. Man, if you need assurance, here it is right here. God will answer. And God will hear you and respond. Now, James has talked a lot about responsibilities of the Christian in his letter. He's been focusing on Christians. That we're to be followers of Christ. That we're to be obedient and faithful, to hang in there, to persevere no matter what. We're to do what God calls us to do. But he's also described the many benefits of being a Christian. And there's lots of these. Salvation itself. The second coming is a great benefit for the church because we'll be captured up out. We'll be taken up to Him. So there are a lot of benefits to being a Christian. A lot of benefits belonging to a church as well. And I would say to you, if you're looking for something or someone to believe in, someone that you can build your life on, someone you can really trust in, I would say to you, why not believe in Jesus Christ? The Jesus of the Bible. Why not believe in Him? He's waiting for you right now to accept Him. He's waiting for you to ask Him to be your Savior and Lord. He wants to do that for you today. And He will if you'll simply just ask Him. In Romans 6.23, the Bible says this, For the wages of sin is death, 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a great promise there as well. So those of you out there who are watching, who don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, you can have the gift of eternal life right now today through Jesus Christ. If you'll simply ask Him to, be, to come into your life, if you'll simply ask Him to, to forgive you, you'll make Him your Savior and Lord. And you can do that by simply praying a very simple prayer with me. I'd love to do that. So maybe someone here today hasn't done that. Maybe somebody out there watching this video hasn't done that, but you're ready. And you're asking God, what do I do? How do I do this? Well, let me share with you. It's very simple. The Bible tells us just call out to God. Cry out to Him. Pray to Him and ask Him for, for forgiveness. Ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, and I'll help you do that. Just pray this simple prayer with me. For those of you who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you know somebody who needs Him. So as I pray this prayer, you pray for that person to respond. Let's bow together, all right? If you're really ready to accept Christ, you bow your head with me. Pray this prayer as I pray it to you. Dear God, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I acknowledge to you that I need the forgiveness only Jesus Christ can give. And dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord this day and every day until you come back. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you prayed that with me. And if you did, please call the church office, 785-843-0442. I'd love to talk to you. I'll, be, I'll get back with you if, I, if I'm not here. But I will get back to you, and I, we can have a discussion about what you do next. So there's lots of things to, to take the next step and the next step and the next step, and we all need help doing that. All right? Call me, please. Those of you here today, let's stand as Anna gets ready to lead us in a song. Maybe you're here today, and God's been speaking to you about joining the church, about becoming a Christian. Maybe uh, you just need to pray with somebody. I'd be glad to do that as well. As we sing this song, would you just uh, let God speak to you and draw you? and You do what God calls you to do, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time.